Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. So we start the 20 off with the crawl. Uh, it starts off literally with war! War! Exclamation mark. <laughs> uh, highlights uh, some of the key things of the Clone Wars, uh, highlighting how Count Dooku is the leader of the Separatists. Uh, him, along with Grievous, have captured the Chancellor in a last-ditch effort to win the war. Uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan have been dispatched to go rescue the Chancellor. Uh, and then we see their two starships flying through the magnificent Battle of Coruscant and an intense, intense space battle. Probably the best space battle that we've seen in the prequels already. It's perhaps the best way we've ever towed a line in a space battle in Star Wars that also keeps the wit of Star Wars alive, which is really, really nice. So as that kind of resolves and they catch up to the ship where they intend to rescue Chancellor Palpatine from the mighty grips of the evil Count Dooku, uh, they sneak in onto the elevators where R2-D2 is stationed to help uh, uh, maneuver the elevators in such a way that benefits them. Uh, they meet face-to-face with lots of different battle droids and ultimately evade all of them and uh, stumble their way into the Chancellor's uh, prison chamber, kind of. Yeah, it's some kind of weird throne prison, which <laughs> doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but definitely consistent with the character. Uh, and Anakin and Obi-Wan go in there. Uh, it seems like it's going to be the cleanest rescue in the world. Uh, Palpatine says, Dooku's right behind you, and then they engage in a saber fight. Uh, this was all after they had crash-landed aboard the ship. Dooku who's getting cocky. Uh, He takes out Obi-Wan with pretty quick measure and force chokes him and throws him across the room. He then uh, kind of buries Obi-Wan beneath some heavy stuff using the force and it's not, it doesn't look very good. We'll get to that more in a second. Uh, And then it's just one-on-one between Count Dooku and Anakin. uh, And it's really impressive. As Anakin states, he is at least twice as good as he was last time they met. Uh, Ultimately, he chops off both of Dooku's arms and has him in a scissor grip down on his knees between two lightsabers. Uh, Palpatine insists that Anakin decapitate Count Dooku, which seems a little weird because he's supposed to be a good guy. Anakin hesitates, and he really doesn't take all that much pushing to indeed decapitate Count Dooku, and and Palpatine's quite impressed. Head literally rolls, and uh, Palpatine and Anakin escape. Right as they're about to escape, Anakin takes Obi-Wan because he realizes he's still alive. Palpatine tries to get him to leave him behind, but Anakin is too much of a Jedi. He takes Obi-Wan with him, and then they escape once again through the elevators. That's right. Uh, A little bit more elevator maneuvering. They eventually stumble onto the platform uh, to meet face-to-face with General Grievous. There's a little bit more witty banter, and then the 20 ends with the ignition of yet another lightsaber. Yeah, so they had uh, become uh, prisoners of Grievous. uh, That's right. And Obi-Wan essentially uh, just uses the Force to grab his lightsaber back from Grievous with pretty quick ease right. after R2 does a little distraction for them. This has thus far been the best 20 of the prequels. It's without a doubt the best 20 of the prequels so far. It's, it's so amazing good. how much better this movie is than the other two. Exactly. That's what I was thinking too. And and I've kind of gone back and forth with that with Revenge of the Sith. There was a part of me that kind of thought uh, all the prequels are terrible for a little while. And then I started to come around to the more popular idea that Revenge of the Sith, while not as good as any of the other main timeline Star Wars movies, is definitely leagues better than episodes one and two. Uh, And then I kind of got away from that, too. I was kind of like, well, and I started to apologize for episodes one and two. I was like, well, hang on. Those aren't that bad either. And now I'm kind of back in the camp, having watched them so uh, 
so uh, scrutinously with mm. you um, uh, of, of course, episode three is leagues better. Yeah. Episode three, the more I watch it, the more it closes the gap. I've described kind of my ranking of the Star Wars movies in the past is the biggest gap between being between The Last Jedi and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and that gap has become almost non-existent. You mean a being, quality gap? Qual- so basically, when you rank your movies, Empire Strikes Back my favorite, A New Hope, but there's a bit of a gap between Empire and A New Hope to The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens, uh, then Return of the Jedi, those are probably pretty solid together, and then a bit of a gap between The Last Jedi, and then I would have said a massive gap down to Revenge of the Sith and then keep going, but I put that rate, like, Revenge of the Sith and The Last Jedi, I dropped The Last Jedi a bit down over the course of the year, and the Revenge of the Sith... Because of its winning moments, yes. every Star Wars movie has bad parts of it. And if you remove those bad parts, it's the problem is it's just because they're so in your face. Mm-hmm. It's the most overt. There are some of the most overtly bad parts in Star Wars in this movie. So it doesn't hide very well. Uh, and because it's also one of the newer ones, it doesn't get away with the fact that saying it's the 70s. So it's in kind of that weird position. But overall, the amazing, amazing parts of this movie cannot be overlooked. It is an exceptional. It is so much better than all the other prequels, and it is so much better than Solo, and in my opinion, Rogue One. It's right. just, it, it, it is a classic Star Wars movie. Yeah, and that's kind of what they're going for. That's a good way to describe it. Uh, I think one of, the, one of the major criticisms about Attack of the Clones that you and I both agreed on in our last episode of the most recent season mm. is that it's so Padme-heavy, and it's really not anything against Natalie Portman's performance, but because they decide to make the love story between yes. anime the the main A storyline in that movie, that's that's why that movie in general suffers. And this 20 is so rich because they don't even mention Padme. Nope. She has nothing to do with this 20. It's just all action. And like I said in the recap, like this, the space battle is really vivid and exciting. And we have a really rich and, and frankly, very positive interaction between our two heroes where nobody's uh, undermining anybody. Nobody's disrespecting or undervaluing anybody. They're really working as a team, including with the droids. Mm. And so there's all this spectacular dialogue happening amongst all this spectacular visual, and it really is a highlight for the prequels thus far. It absolutely is. And I have it right here as, in my opinion, what won the 20 is Anakin that we deserve. Yeah. This is the Anakin who's in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is they just, they flick a switch in a couple minutes, in about half an hour, he's no longer this character. They put him back. He, he's, he's gone. Yeah. And the problem is that you see the glimpses, you see the fact that he's like, stop being so hard on R2, and uh, like things will be okay. He's a bit of a, of a wild card, but at the same time, he has his head on. Yeah. He feels bad about what he's done to Dooku. If Palpatine did not tell him to do it, he would not have done it. Correct. There are some he he my favorite line with Oda Dote, it's not even close to my favorite line in this twenty, is his fate will be the same as ours. Yeah, good line. Anakin. There's no time. We must get off this ship before it's too late. He seems to be alright. Leave him or we'll never make it. His fate will be the same as ours. And that is one that just shows you it's so clearly still Anakin, the good Jedi. Yeah. And at the end of the movie. He's doing anything he can to kill Obi-Wan. Right. My other my other favorite uh, representation of Anakin's loyalty 
is actually not to Obi-Wan, it's to R2-D2. It's my favorite interaction in the 20s. It's my favorite too. It's so good. He says, because there's clearly going to be a little bit of ribbing back and forth and Anakin says to Obi-Wan, no loose wire jokes. What was that all about? Well, R2 has been- uh, No loose wire jokes. Did I say anything? He's trying. I didn't say anything. They're already <laughs> bickering. Did I say anything? He's trying. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I know. It's, it's clearly been said many a time. It's really, and that's that's one thing that I think is a little unrealistic about the tone of this this 20, although it, it serves the movie in a way that gets you excited and not depressed. It's kind of interesting that they are approaching this rescue mission of the of the most important person in the galaxy, the leader of the free galaxy, with a lot of mundanity. They're mm -hmm. kind of kind of going about this rescue mission very procedurally. Yes, and I think that's a I think that's on purpose. Yeah, because it shows you so clearly how and and I like the fact that uh, Obi Wan specifically is the one who tells Anakin like almost like leave me. Yeah, leave the clone trooper. That's his job. He'll die. Leave me. Go keep going. Like basically saying this is not protocol for you to rescue me. And it just shows you how lost the Jedi are. Yeah. And the fact that they are working, like, gen they are generals. General Kenobi, they consistently keep calling him in this first 20. Yep. Because they want to remind you that they're no longer Jedi. They're no longer peacekeepers. They're warriors of a government. Yep. And they're no longer acting out of the will of the Force, but out of procedure. And that wow. is what costs them everything. So this is not, this is to demonstrate that they're not working with their hearts anymore. They're mm -hmm. guided by the politics. And you, it shows you how Anakin still is and how easy it is for him to still be manipulated God away. God damn, I know. so right. Qui-Gon, just goes to show you, if Qui-Gon was still there, Qui-Gon and Anakin would have been, they would have been simpatico. Yeah. And throughout this entire movie, Anakin would not have swayed. He would have stayed true to everything Qui-Gon said. And in theory, if he doesn't chop off Dooku's head and he doesn't chop off Mace Windu's hands, mm -hmm. there's zero chance in hell he's going to the dark side. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, he's being influenced. Is there something to be said for the way Palpatine is glaring with delight at the battle that's mm -hmm. taking place in front of him? Is he manipulating what's happening? Is he like force persuading Anakin to chop off? No. I don't think so, right? No. No, he can't. He has no ability to persuade and like as much as Sidious is insanely powerful, he's not going to pull a. He, he can't. Not on Anakin. Not on Anakin, Obi Wan, or Dooku. But he does play the long game in persuading him. Oh, he absolutely does. He plays it damn well. He just doesn't use any tricks. He just he, he manipulates him emotionally. Yeah, and there's something that has been uh, confirmed in canon that uh, I've been waiting to kind of tell you because I know you don't pay super super close attention to some of these canon updates that has been confirmed but will play a massive bit of intrigue into the overall prequels. I'll bring it up now, even though it's outside of these movies, but in the final issue of the Darth Vader comic that was just released last week, it was as close as you'll ever be to confirmed that Palpatine did create Anakin. Wow. Yeah. How? So it's a. will go through the, just in terms of this is heavy spoiler warning, it's for the last issue of the Darth Vader comic. Palpatine uh, created him. Yeah. So essentially how it works is Vader has been communicating with Darth Maumon uh, via his helmet. He found his helmet under where he built his castle on Mustafar, and he's communicating with essentially, um, I guess you could say, the force spirit of Darth Maumon. Okay. And he's been telling Vader about the potential to go through this portal to save Padme. And so Vader's intrigued by this. 
and eventually um Malman tells him you can't go through it because you're clearly just this thug of palpatines and palpatine is not doing things the sith way he's doing them his his own political and sith way and it's all mumbo jumbo he's getting you to do his dirty work like no screw this I mean, you're not getting through this and eventually after all this so vader's pissed and vader destroys the force spirit of Mammon and is able to go through this force vision sequence to find padme and in this sequence he is the torso the bloody torso of anakin skywalker with like ghost limbs and as he goes through he has to this is just post revenge of the sith anakin uh this is not too long after revenge of the sith anakin okay. yep so this is the the whole point of the darth vader comic it starts off with him yelling like no right and the final shot is him saying yes accepting this sounds really good oh it's considered the best of all the comics too. yeah and so this is a big spoiler in case people wanted to read it but because uh, <laughs> this is how it, it does end yeah but as anakin's going through this kind of force vision he sees a lot of things in his past and he sees his mother and his mother's talking to him and then he sees palpatine conjuring up the force in her womb and so they show him kind of like a witch over a cauldron over her pregnant belly yeah so it's very clear that he has in, in, incepted Shmi. Uh-huh. Uh, and then as Anakin continues to go through this kind of forced journey to find Padme, he encounters all of the Jedi uh, of his past, and he says, let the past die. Kill it if you have to. Ooh. Just like his grandson. Yep. And he kills, in his force vision, he kills Yoda, he kills Mace Windu, he kills Obi, he kills everybody, he kills all of, this, all of the Jedi. He kills them all again. And as he continues to walk towards Padme, uh, he's, he's, he essentially just reaches out and she looks at him and says, well, Anakin's dead because Anakin is dead. And Vader realizing Padme never would have loved me. Mm-hmm. She never could have loved Vader. Wow. And so she commits suicide in his vision. Yeah. She just falls backwards over the edge of his castle. Wow. And so he realizes I'm... I'm a monster. Yeah, I got, I, 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 I got broke. I'm, but at that same point, like, I'm a monster, but there's no way back. Right. So I got to lean into this. I got to lean into this. Yeah. Oh, that's devastating. Yeah. So it's like, it's horribly tragic, but I just, I thought it was relevant to bring up in the sense that uh, because we only have a few characters in this 20, one of them being Palpatine, one of them being Anakin, Palpatine being a father figure to him is essential to Anakin's turn. But he is essentially his father as well. That's right. So. Yeah. Well, and even in a more symbolic way, he is the father to Anakin's evil. Mm-hmm. That exists within the movie. He is the first Skywalker in that regard. Oh, God. It just makes it all the more uh, reason to bring him back for episode nine, which is the final in the Skywalker. In story. some capacity, him yeah. or Plagueis. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to happen in some way. Wow, goodness gracious. Mm. Okay. I know there's a bit of a tangent, but back into the 20. No, that's very interesting. I want to talk, because you made a crack in the recap about uh, the the word war starting off the... Yeah. It is the way the uh, the crawl opens. War! What is it good for? Big exclamation mark. And it, I mean, it reminds me a little bit in the... In The Force Awakens, it opens with Luke Skywalker is missing. Is that what it is? Has vanished, I think. Luke Skywalker has vanished. And uh, I, I think I, it's a terrible crawl. In episode three. Yeah. I thought it was a little wordy and kind of pointless. I didn't necessarily think it was terrible. The thing that's brilliant about the crawl 
is that it, they do something that it's amazing to me more movies and more franchises and on-running series haven't uh, stolen over mm. time because it's so effective. Oh, it's so useful. It's such a useful way to expose a bunch of stuff without feeling guilty, mm-hmm. to just lean into it. A good example is um, last night we went to see Vice, mm-hmm. which is the Dick Cheney movie with yep. Christian Bale. It's really good. And uh, there is so much density in the story of this movie that they're going to have a hard time uh, hiding the exposition. Ah. And so there's one scene where to help the audience understand this really intricate military strategy, the, the all the characters are at a restaurant and Alfred Molina plays the waiter and he just walks on screen and explains it. Okay, so it, it's the he same just way. With- openly exposes it. So rather than trying to hide the exposition, you just put it right out there. It's and Margot Robbie in the bathtub. It's exactly the same, same director. Uh, and so... Uh, what's cool about the crawl is it does that so proudly. And what I like about war exclamation mark or Luke Skywalker has fan is vanished is that it's like a newspaper headline. They're huh. they're written like I'm gonna catch you up on what's going on in the galaxy in the meantime. And a lot of movies do that too if they want to create some kind of montage that shows a bunch of things are happening to transition from one act to the next in a film. They'll do that corny thing where they'll show you. Uh, a twirling newspaper that lands on screen, and that helps you understand what's happened in the meantime. This is exactly that. I could not agree more on the on everything you said about like the twirling newspaper yeah. and it being that that feature. That's exactly what George Lucas was trying to do here. Yeah. Uh, the and I find it funny because you compared it to The Force Awakens, which I think is the best crawl in Star Wars. Really good. It's probably the best style. But this one, this is the Clone Wars. The three paragraphs don't really say much. They introduce Grievous in a subtle way. Why? I hate this so much. Why do we have Grievous and Dooku, these quarter villains Mm -hmm. who exist for the last hour of the last movie and the first 10 minutes of this one in Dooku's case, and then Grievous, who literally just exists for an hour in this movie. It should have been. It it makes the entire crawl like, we need to expose about Grievous and Dooku and show you where they are, and boom, the entire crawl's gone. Yeah. So yep. it doesn't tell you anything about what's happened over these years with the Clone Wars. It doesn't tell you anything about the state of the galaxy, really. You have to figure that stuff out after the fact because this is, like, literally the Clone Wars pretty much is ending right here. This is the the domino that starts it all. Yes. And so we don't get, like, begun the Clone Wars has. Is that the name of the last 20 in our last episode? Yeah. We could call this one, The Clone Wars Has Ended. That's right. And there's no Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just... I thought the crawl was missing something for the time being. And then if you also just look at it in detail, heroes on both sides is a line in the crawl. Excuse me. It's who confusing. are the heroes on the other it's side? It's a very confusing line. Any. I find that to be a very confusing line. There are not It reminded me of, of Charlottesville. There's good people on both sides. That's what it reminded me of. Jeez, that's relevant. Yeah. And holy crap. That's But yeah. both were stupid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Neither of them are true. Yeah. Uh, so that bothered me. And then it's just, I, I thought it was a poor crawl. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good defense. And further to that, Count Dooku and General Grievous should have been the same character, and they should have been created in such a way that made us fear both of them more. Because Christopher Lee is really an amazing actor, Mm -hmm. and General Grievous has some cool elements to him. I'm sure he's been better done than in this 20 in particular. Um, But 
they should have tricked us into thinking that composite person, whoever it may be, Count Dooku point two or whatever, uh, is really the criminal mastermind behind the evil here. They should have tried to pull the wool over our eyes just a little bit longer because up to this point, it's fooling nobody that Palpatine is the bad guy. No, that's true. Is it still supposed to be? Like when he says do it, are we supposed to hear the Emperor for the first time? No, we know it's the Emperor a long time ago. But... We know, but is it open? Is yeah. it out in the open? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You sure? Oh, definitely. Was that wise? Should they have saved it until the last half hour of the prequels? I think it was something that they just knew early on. They were never going to be able to pull the wool over people's eyes. People knew it was... Same actor. Same actor. And, I mean, there's, there's only so much you can do. I think they could have done a much better job of actually doing reveals and twists. Yeah. They don't really do any. Right. Which is a shame. And they, this movie was primed for it. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't see that being as, as, as so much of an issue there. I, what I would have liked actually more than anything would have been to combine Grievous and Asajj Ventress. Yep. Uh, and if you can extend the lifespan of Dooku, some capacity, introduce Ventress as well in Attack of the Clone, in Attack of the Clones, then you can kill off Ventress slash Grievous early in the movie and keep Dooku and kill him a little bit later. Yep. Or vice versa. It doesn't really matter, but giving them both a little bit of exposure on either side and also i just think so much about grievous is really stupid i mean i, I hate the cough yeah and yeah if you want to make him somebody with four lightsabers i think that's kind of cool and the fact that he's using um like the lightsabers of, of I think fallen it, jedi i think that's fine as well that's fine but i think it makes lightsabers less special for him to have four lightsabers i agree yeah and it's also like they created punk krell who was a fallen jedi and that was part of the clone wars like, you could make that guy, for example. He'd be a better version of Grievous. And so it just, it, it was a miss, in my opinion. Whereas if you're going to create a, a bad guy, another bad guy at this point in the game, he better be damn good. And JJ better be keeping that in mind as well for the bad guys he's introducing here. I mean, you can't introduce somebody who's like another Hux or a Grievous. Like, you can't introduce a whiny, pathetic bad guy in the final movie of a trilogy. Well, the other thing is, you mentioned the, the respiratory problems. He's not exactly the first Star Wars villain to have a respiratory problem. And so obviously he's, he's, he's a not, cyborg with a respiratory problem. It's ridiculous. It's completely redone, except in this case, it's played for laughs. No, this case, it's done to be foreshadowing. Foreshadowing of what? The fact that apparently George Lucas thinks we need more reminder that Anakin's going to become Vader. Yeah, but Grievous has nothing to do with Anakin. No, but it's a it's a cautionary tale. It's played for laughs. It's oh, it's played for laughs. It's played for it's it's poorly played. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it's, but what I mean is Darth Vader having a hard time breathing makes him scarier. Yes, and it just makes General Grievous sillier. Okay, I see what you mean. Yes, absolutely, it just does. It just makes him stupid. Yes, it's like okay, why is is he that? He's not intimidating because no. of it. And where did he come from? I mean, there must be a backstory. He does have a pretty cool backstory, does actually. He? Yeah. He was a um, he was a disgruntled I don't know it super clearly, but he was a very, he was a disgruntled warrior uh, of a certain species. His species was wronged by the republic. Yeah. Uh, and he became um I, f I forget who it, it must have been Dooku who kind of uh, picked up the pieces of him and turned him into the psycho um cyborg that he became. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there is a there's a fairly detailed Dooku history. Sorry, uh, Grievous history, and a significantly more detailed one in Legends. The other thing that's really lazy about General Grievous is his name. Like all the Sith lords have pretty lazy names. His is just a word that means <laughs> severe and serious. Mm -hmm. Grievous. It's an English word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they missed the. 
Yeah, they missed the boat in a couple of the names. Like Tyrannus Tyrann- is close. Sidious is close. Neither of those are great, but they're kind of grandfathered in because we're used to them. I've never gotten used to General Grievous. No. It's like General Mean. Well, it, the, the, the saddest part is the fact that I have to keep referring to him in my notes as Gigi just so I can't. Because I don't want to have to write General Grievous every time. Right, right. And every time I write Gigi, he's just a little lamer. <laughs> he's a little softer. Yeah. Hey, Gigi. <laughs> do you want to do quotes or trivia? Uh, let's do some quotes. Uh, okay. Actually, uh, no, let's do trivia. Okay, I'll start. In Hallway 328, what is used to entrap the Jedi and Chancellor Palpatine by General Grievous? The ray shields? Ray shields. How are they different from force field? Barriers. I mean, they just are another version of that, right? Yeah, that's what I, I imagine. I'm not really sure. They seem to be familiar with the differences, but uh, no, I'm not quite sure. There's a lot of variations of force fields. There's a, a kindy, a kind of corny line from Obi Wan there that I want to take back, oh, which I, is, "I don't." Wait a minute. How did this happen? We're smarter than this. Gracious. Wait a minute. How did this happen? We're smarter than this. Apparently not. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, it is kind of funny, but it's just, there's too many pieces to it. It's, it, first of all, you're not smarter than this because here you are. And how could you have seen this coming? Yeah. You know what I mean? I guess that's fair, but they were just running down the hallway. It would have been pretty easy. It would have been a pretty damn easy escape if they just had to decapitate Dooku and then they could just run out. I guess. On Grievous's ship. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's fair for Obi-Wan to be like, oh, this was just stupid. What were we doing running out in the open? Why weren't we a little bit more Obi-Wan does, subtle about he, this? Especially in this movie. He had it a little bit in the last movie, too. He has a certain um, I'm too old for this shit attitude. Oh, absolutely. Which is really great. I mean, he, he says earlier in the 20, uh, flying is for droids. Yeah, I have that down here. Which That's is a, good a really good quote. Um I, mean, I see it. Oh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> That's right. I have a bad feeling about this, he says in this 20. Um, just in general, he's exhausted by how much there is to be done and yeah. how often things get out of hand, mm-hmm. which is a good character trait. Yep, absolutely. It, it certainly fits the bill. Uh, there's some good Anakin lines in here, too. Um, uh, I agree. I agree. Bad idea. Swing right. He's over. Steady. <laughs> yep. yep. Just, yeah, kind of going with the flow. He's got, uh, he's got some good uh, levity in, in this 20. It's a real shame that it goes away. Uh, another good interchange between uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan is... I sense Count Dooku. I sense a trap. Next move, spring the trap. Spring the trap. I think spring the trap's a good name for this episode. Oh, we have to make the name of the episode either do it or this is where the fun begins. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty good. When they, when they actually uh, are going face-to-face with Count Dooku, uh, Obi-Wan says, this time we'll do it together, which is a reference to the last time they faced Count Dooku. And Anakin actually, I think he says, um, I was thinking the same thing. Mm. As if to say, yeah, I don't want to lose my other arm. Yeah, exactly. Which so is... much pep in what they're when they're saying in these movies. It's not dour, and I miss it. Yeah. I miss it watching it because we didn't get enough. Mm-hmm. It's it's a shame, and and it also doesn't really stay consistent with the Clone Wars, being that they've seen Dooku plenty. That's right. But oh well. The, the Grievous stuff is consistent. Anakin has not met Grievous in the Clone Wars. I liked all the elevator stuff. I especially liked just the quote. Elevator's not working. Yeah, that was pretty funny, <laughs> too. It's like, it's such a human line. Yeah. Oh, elevator's not... Did you press up? <laughs> no, I didn't press it. Did you? Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, there are some good parts in that. I just thought the use of an elevator was funny. 
the, used it well, man. Oh, yes. When Anakin is bouncing all around that elevator shaft and then he jumps out of the way and the elevator decapitates the battle droids. Mm. That was a sick move. Yeah. Uh, when Obi-Wan jumps out of his starfighter uh, as he's landing and yep. does the flip and kills like four battle droids in like one swish. Totally. Super badass. It's very cool. Kind of on a similar notion, I wanted to bring up Anakin's fighting. Okay. He is effortless. His swordsmanship. His swordsmanship is yeah. ridiculous. It, when you compare him and Obi-Wan, there's a clear focus and exertion that Obi-Wan is using. Yep. Anakin could not make it look more effortless against the battle droids. You're right. He is just slightly moving his wrist. He is just making his way with this. This is a joke for him. And even when he's up against Dooku, he's able to take the fact that he is insanely strong and powerful and use that against Dooku, the only way to beat Dooku would be to overpower him with pure brute strength. You're right. And that's what he does. And so he's able to regulate that so well, and he's not letting his emotions get into play when he's using his lightsaber. He's fighting flawlessly in this one. Yeah, but you got to give credit to Christopher Lee, as we always do, because there is no sign of a body double. Nope. He is completely showed up and completely keeping up with the youthful and clearly well-trained Hayden Christensen mm -hmm. in, in this fairly long lightsaber yep. battle. And I'm if, sure there was a stunt double. But I'm, I'm sure there I'm was, sure, but, but if you compare that to Alec Guinness, who was 20 years younger, oh 20 years younger mm -hmm. than Christopher Lee when he did his super slow-moving lightsaber battle... Mm -hmm. Uh, granted, that was the first ever lightsaber battle, and both of those guys were old and kind of feeble. Um, it proves that being old is no reason not to be good in a lightsaber battle. David Prowse was not feeble. No, he wasn't, but Darth, Darth Vader kind of was. Or at least we thought he was. We thought until, he was kind of. Until it, Rogue yeah. One. Yeah. And, well, in Empire, he, does, he holds his own against Luke. Of course he does, but we didn't realize exactly how... He doesn't wreck shop like he does in Rogue One. <laughs> exactly. We've all been wanting the Rogue One thing. and That's right. And I, as much as... Nobody can say it. That is still a, like as much. It's extraordinary. That hallway scene is one of the best. In all. It's top three moment in Star Wars. Yeah, almost. it's jaw dropping for yeah. sure. Okay, uh, you owe me a Padawan question. Yes, Padawan question. Uh, what is Obi Wan's call sign in this twenty? His call sign, like you mean like Falcon or something like that? His call sign in the in his starship in his starfighter. Oh, I don't know. Red, red two. Red leader. Red leader. Close. Nice. He's red leader. Yeah. Like Luke was red leader. Uh, Luke is red five in um, A New Hope. Yes. And I think he's red leader in, he's red leader in one of them. In okay. maybe It's Empire or, I guess it's probably Empire. Right. What is Count Dooku's ship supposedly crawling with as the Jedi close in? Uh, vulture droids. Vulture droids are cool. Vulture droids are cool, and they're like they're like little mosquitoes. They're yeah. really they're just like bouncing around. They're also kind of like tiny little ships mm -hmm. that just fly around and they're mess up your ship. Heavily featured in uh, a couple of the uh, in a couple of the novels. Now they're heavily very cool, featured. but on the other side of the same coin, I gotta take back buzz droids. I fucking hate buzz droids. They're so lame. Yeah. They look like little eyeballs, mm -hmm. and they're like bed bugs for your aircraft. Yeah, that's gross. That's a terrible... That's a gross description, but an accurate one, almost. I think so. They're so dumb. Yeah, they are dumb. Although, I do have to say, I like the moves that Anakin does to get them off Obi-Wan's ship. It's pretty impressive. He just kind of, like, scrapes them off with he his wing. He scrapes them off with his wing, because he's that precise of a flyer. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. Um, let's see. My night question is, what is the name of General Grievous's dreadnought in which the rescue occurs on? I don't know. The Invisible Hand. It's kind of cool. Mm. Why is it called that? 
Well, it's called that because George Lucas wanted to make reference to Palpatine being on board. Oh. I can only guess, but I don't know any other reason why. (laughs) The invisible hand is Palpatine, obviously. He's the phantom menace, invisible hand. By the way, just to sing Christopher Lee's praises one more time, when he's down on his knees and he's about to die, and, uh, and Palpatine says, kill him, kill him now. The look on Christopher Lee on Count Dooku's face when he realizes that he has been completely uh, utilized by Palpatine and Palpatine does not care about him at all at all is really good. It it's, is shock on yeah, his face. It he is. is appalled. You're a fool, though. Good, Anakin. Yeah. Good. Good, Anakin. Good. <laughs> Kill him. Kill him now. So calmly menacing. And then he praises Anakin when Anakin indeed does do it, and he immediately feels remorse. And then mm-hmm. he, he's like comforting Anakin as if to say, no, it's quid pro quo. He took your hand. You just wanted revenge, exactly like with the Tusken Raiders on Tatooine. And then you hear subtly the groans of a Tusken Raider in the background, which I thought was an interesting touch. Not a very Star Wars-esque touch. I didn't hear that. You didn't, really? No, I didn't hear that. I'll stick a little clip in, because as soon as he says it, you hear as if like an audible vision. Well, you, Anakin has visions, so... You hear it in his head. You can hear the groan of a Tusken Raider. Remember what you told me about your mother and the sand people? That's kind of cool. It is cool. I'll give you my master question. Sure. I'll be pretty impressed. Okay? Okay. That's not good. What elevator do they escape via after killing Count Dooku? Is it like... Can I get a hint on this one? Is it like a... A, no, I can't even get a hint, probably. It's a number. It's a number? Yeah. Okay, it is. Because um, I wasn't sure whether it was going to be like south or something. No. So it's a number. Uh, can you give me how many digits the number is? Four digits. It's a four-digit number. So the yeah. odds of me getting this are extremely low. It's, yeah, they're one in 10,000. It's 3224. Really? Yeah, it is. It's not, I was trying to think if there's any, if they reused any of the Star Wars numbers in the past. I don't think that one's been used before. No, it doesn't stand out. Yeah, they th- do do that a little they bit. They do that a lot. So I was trying to think if it would be like uh, some kind of combination. I kept thinking of a bunch of three. Like, cause there, yeah. I know there's like a 421 and like 328. Is that just an Easter egg um, when they do that? Yeah, I guess. It's just yeah. to have like some fun little numbers. But uh, 3224, is that what you said? 3224. All right. I will remember that in the future. Okay. Uh, what kind of ship are obi-wan and anakin flying and start at the 20 what what kind of ship are they individually flying yeah i don't know they're flying eta two starfighters okay and i wonder if you notice something specific about those um have we seen them elsewhere is that what you're you're suggesting no but there's a very very familiar front window is it a kohler window (laughs) Just kidding. No. No. Um, no, the front window on their Starfighters is the same front window on a TIE Fighter. Oh, cool. Because it's just one of those subtle things to remind you. It's the same government. It's made by in a factory. They use the... Yeah, but same government even. Yeah. Like, it's Anakin and Obi-Wan are fighting with Star Destroyers and TIE Fighters. Yep. It's just so... It's it's so backwards to see it. But it's, but it's, it's a, really cool and very well done on Lucas's part. It's a good subtlety. Another thing that kind of is the same uh, premise is when they got a crew of them that are trying to break into the into Count Dooku's ship, uh, a couple of the other pilots are Jango Fett's. Yep. They're, they're oh, clones. Of course. Yeah. of course, but it's just kind of interesting that they've got... That they've decided to designate some of these troopers, not for white gear, 
but to be pilots. And of course, they just have the same face and the same voice as all of the rest. Oh, I mean, there's tons and tons of these guys. I yeah. mean, there's millions of them. So they have classes for everything you could possibly imagine in every division of the military. So You know what I found lacking about uh, the emotional component of that opening space battle? When R4 gets decimated, Obi-Wan does not really spend much time being upset about that. And to be fair, it's just a droid. Clearly, these Jedi have bonds with their with their compatriot droid. Not Obi-Wan. Never? No. I guess he never really loves a droid. He doesn't like droids all that much. No. It's kind of consistent uh, here and there throughout that he doesn't have an over... Like he's, it's not just, he's not a big fan of droids. He, he sees them as disposable and... But R4 gets smeared and he was his droid in episode two. So he's been around for a while and all Obi-Wan has to say is, oh dear. <laughs> I don't know. It, it shows you, it's done to remind you how important R2-D2 is to Anakin and the right. relationship that they have yep. and how that relationship dies and ultimately picks back up with Luke and R2, uh, which is one of the more wonderful undertones of all of Star Wars. Uh, another of the best quotes is obviously uh, when, when they break in, they're about to rescue the Chancellor, and then the Chancellor says, Count Dooku, and they turn around to see Count Dooku, mm. and they uh, decide they're going to go uh, up against him, and Palpatine says, Yet help you no match for him, he's a Sith Lord. Which, first of all, is such a dead giveaway that he's aligned with the dark side. But also, why do people think Sith Lords are so great? Well, also, who the fuck does he think can take the Sith Lord if yeah. the Jedi can't. That's it's two Jedi, one of which is the greatest ever. Yeah, like Sith Lord, who would you dispatch? That's right. Another Jedi? Yeah, I think he was just kind of taunting. Yeah, it, whatever it was, it was it, it, the line doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But the good line is the yes. response, which is Obi Wan's Chancellor Palpatine. Sith Lords are our speciality. Chancellor Palpatine. Sith Lords are our speciality. I'd be okay with that as the title of the episode, too. Sith Lords are our speciality? Yeah, although I think this is where the fun begins, is probably. Yeah, sure. Um, also, some Dooku lines. I've been looking forward to this. Yep. That was menacing as hell. It was. Uh, and probably my favorite Dooku line is twice the pride, double the fall. Oh, that is good. Yeah. Because yeah, Anakin's stupid-ass line of, my powers have doubled since the last time we met. <laughs> I don't know. That's a very Star Wars line. You might you might uh, hearken it even back to the initial... Uh, uh, lightsaber duel in a new hope it's just kind of boasting about how strong you are as compared to your opponent it happens in every star wars movie yeah that, i definitely that's a fair notion it's just a lame ass way of saying it's it, corny Anakin. it's corny for sure however we're gonna have a lot of those do you have any other uh components that you really say won the 20 something that really stood out to you as the very best um i had uh I'm big on the reveal of Anakin's luscious locks. His longer hair is very cool. <laughs> his, his long hair definitely looks good. Uh, I have the practical use of lightsabers. Yep. It's not forced. It's not anything stupid like Darth Maul pulling it out at the end of Solo. Uh, it's something where they're used because they're a necessary tool of the Jedi. And they're not overkill, but they're used a lot. I, it's, just, it's just nice to see. Uh, Disney, for some reason has not liked to use lightsabers a whole lot. Yeah. And I'm getting kind of sick of that, so I want to see more. I know. Uh, why is and that? Obviously, everybody wants to see lightsabers. What are they holding on to? They sure as shit better have a lot in nine. That's all yeah. I can say. And by not, I don't mean like 400. I mean like four. Yeah. But. <laughs> that's right. Give me give me more than two force users. Exactly. That's not enough. 
The only other thing I think maybe kind of won the 20 is R2-D2 in general, who is such a badass. And I know I said recently that I don't like that R2 can fly and I still kind of feel that way. But the way he spreads some oil on those yeah. droids that are giving him hell and then he sets the oil ablaze is so cool. Yes, it's very cool. I mean, the, the rocket boosters don't bug me too much. The other thing that's corny, but it's also... It also works is the very end of the 20 when he just wigs out to create a diversion yes. on uh, General Grievous's deck. And he just like, I don't even know how he does it. It's like when you, it's like when you squeeze one of those uh, rubber balls and the eyes pop out of the sockets. It's kind of like that. That's an amazing comparison. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I had the, the, without it, the winner of the 20 for me was uh, the Anakin we expected and the Anakin we deserved. That's right. I think you're definitely right. Um, that's all I got for this 20. Not that it wasn't very rich, because for such an action-heavy 20, there was so much chit-chat, and it so felt like Star Wars. I just have one thing that we kind of mentioned that we would come back to, and I want to come back to it now, is how so obviously Obi-Wan's legs would have been crushed by that platform that Dooku... It's not good. It slides. It would, like, shatter his hips. He's clearly a doll. It's clearly a big Obi-Wan dummy that gets pushed to the side. Um, I don't or know CGI. Why. Yeah, maybe. You're right, because it's a little chunky. Maybe it's it choppy. was like stop motion or something. Why is Count Dooku so fixated on bringing heavy stuff down on people? Because <laughs> he does it to Yoda, too. It's such a corny move. Yeah, because it's slow. He probably wanted to do it this time because he hasn't had it work yet on him. It also makes a mess. It does make a mess. <laughs> but I don't know. He, uh, he was successful in this capacity. I guess he was. Uh, and he was able to get Obi-Wan out of the way and just go up against Anakin and... Uh, Palpatine probably told him to do that for all we know. Right. He probably told him to take out Obi-Wan first. Really, Obi-Wan hasn't had a good uh, duel moment since Phantom Menace at this point. So it's really good he's redeemed in what becomes one of the best lightsaber duels ever. Yeah, absolutely. He uses his lightsaber well, like up against Jango Fett and such. But right. uh, this is definitely, he, he looks pretty bad in this fight. And he looked pretty bad the last time he faced Dooku. So yeah. he, he fares well against Anakin, thankfully. <laughs> Are we about done for the 20? Uh, done for the 20, just some news things, which will be, I mean, by the time we air this, will be a little out of date, but are still some things that are relevant. Yeah, not too bad. No. Uh, not a ton out there. I went over all of the information about the the final Vader comic. Yeah. Uh, and they're starting a different Vader series, which was Vader Dark Visions. We mentioned this last time, so... Uh, my personal readings, I finished Heir to the Jedi. It wasn't as bad as people said, uh, but I'm on Bloodline now, and that is as good as people say. That's good. Yeah, so that takes place a few years before the events of The Force Awakens. I think it's like six years before. Um, Largely a Leia book. Yeah, Leia's the main character. I haven't gotten to the point about Darth Vader's reveal yet, um, but I know that is one of the key parts of the book is it's made public that Leia is the blood daughter of Darth Vader. Um, oh, because I didn't it, know that was ever made public. Well, that that's it's not made public until very late. Um, but that is that's kind of one of the key key elements of this of this book. Currently, it's just a lot of political unrest um, and Leia being a total badass. So great, yeah, I've, I'm liking it so far. Speaking of Leia, um, there were no birthdays uh, I wanted to bring up for this week's episode. There's no birthdays, but there was a significant anniversary certainly last week, which is the second anniversary of Carrie Fisher's death. Did you see what Billy Lord put on Instagram? I didn't. No. Oh my god. So she uploaded a, a video of herself sitting at the piano at home singing the Nico song These Days. And I guess like she and her mom used to play piano and sing songs together. And you can't really make it out too well, but she's got a really nice voice and it's a really sad song in context. And uh, I'll, I'll see if I can stick a clip in here.
really sweet and obviously it was it, it still is very sad that that happened it's kind of yeah. still feels a little bit surreal it does it's it's something that when you see the, like pictures it just seems weird mm. like because she was the youngest and it, it, it just it didn't seem like she would have been the first to go but and i i, I don't i won't pretend to have known her because no. i because i didn't but when i see uh, pictures of young beautiful carrie fisher and like older Carrie Fisher, and by the by all means, both were lovable. Um, I don't really see the same person. I don't hear the same person. They did. Uh, it's the same spunk, though. I guess the same spunk and, and spark. I guess. I guess so. And then I think that's why people like Mark Hamill still will always sing her praises. Yeah, he adored her for sure. Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, speaking of two others who adored each other uh, in that original trilogy. Harrison Ford had some really nice things to say about Billy Dee Williams. He was honored oh. uh, with the Hollywood Legacy Award from the American Black Film Festival, uh, and he sent a little video along, a little minute and a half video, uh, just just commenting on how he enjoyed working with him, what he brought to the character of Lando, the professionalism he brought to the set, yeah, um, how he enjoyed how it's created a long-term bond for them, and he wishes they could see each other more. Uh, but how proud and deserving he he feels, how proud of Billy D he is, and how deserving he feels. The it's just it was it's the sweetest little clip. That's lovely. Yeah, it's really really nice. Pretty excited to see Lando as an old man. Hell yes, that's gonna be good. He's gonna have some serious cape game. Yeah, he's gonna have a cape for sure. Oh. I mean, he's always had capes. But, yeah, but like yeah. I'm expecting something seriously. He's flashy. gonna have a, a cape and a really sexy walking stick. Oh yes, he will have a cane, no doubt. I think Billy D Williams carries a cane. Actually. I think he does. Yeah. yeah. So that's I mean. It's just fitting. Well, he's a pimp anyway. I know. It, 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 <laughs> there's no downside to that. It's not like, ooh, that ruins the character. No. It's like, damn, this puts me into the character. It's this perfect. works. Yes. Um, and another bit of uh, kind of just random news is Warwick Davis. He's back to host Star Wars Celebration in April in Chicago. So right. that's always a great sign because he's he's just an essential part of the Star Wars community and does a great job at those. Um, when it comes to Episode Nine, not a whole lot of rumors. Uh, more and more, like... Uh, the crap rumors out there are are hinting towards uh, uh, Carrie Russell being a Knight of Ren, being the leading Knight of Ren, oh, being cool. the, the main kind of um, additional antagonist. I like of, that. Kind of the way we were mentioning how we sure as hope we don't get a, a lame-ass, dookish, grievous sort of character. Right. She is older than Adam Driver, though. She is, but I think that could be... She could definitely... She's a good enough actress to pull off that badass other... Well, that um, could be a good uh, a good second chance at Captain Phasma. I don't necessarily see it so much as a second chance at Captain Phasma. I see it more as, like, we're going to see some way that Snoke is going to play into this yep. somehow. And so whether it's going to be through Kylo or through somebody else, I, th I think it'll be through somebody else. Um, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, a lot of people think that Kylo could communicate with Darth Vader in this movie directly. Wow. After seeing Darth Vader communicate with the mask and Lord Mammon and was able to kind of pull upon his dark side past also if you kind of look at Mammon's mask and vader's mask collectively they together if you merge them it would make kylo ren's mask kind oh, of cool they're really like they're, they have key features in them that look kylo ren like Any... obviously vader's ha kylo ren has certain vader elements to his mask yeah there's some Mammon stuff in there too so any chance at all james earl jones is gonna lend his voice to this movie maybe it'd be crazy if he played mufasa and darth vader in 2019 that would be super cool yeah that would be super cool um 
But yeah, you could have like a kind of like a, a devil and angel situation where you have Hayden Christensen and James Earl Jones, Vader and Anakin, the ghosts of both. Could happen. It'd be the first time we see a, a Sith ghost because uh, they can't be the same style Force ghost because that defeats the purpose. It but, does. Um, and George Lucas would have been against that. So. Right. Uh, a little bit of episode nine. Uh, Todd Fisher is very happy with the use of Leia in episode nine. Uh, her brother. Uh, the new content does not feel like it's shoehorned in. It was... Um, in for, it was, I guess, scenes that had actual stuff happening in them. They weren't just filler scenes. Yep. Uh, and they've been able to insert those into the movie in a way that seems very natural. So. This is another reason it doesn't feel like she's really gone. Because she yeah. keeps showing up in Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah. I guess, in, in the sense that uh, The Last Jedi came out a year after she died. And so wait a second, Todd Fisher is in on what's going on with Princess Leia? Just Princess Leia, I think. Okay. Yeah. Because maybe he's ahead of her estate or something? I I, I think that's, yeah. that's it. He he has been in the loop on all of these things. Okay. They needed his permission for um the like what they would use of her. Uh he was who they told like we will not be using like we, we won't uh, He's representing the family then. Yeah, he, he he's definitely in the industry and uh He's very, very excited, but he said, obviously, I can't say anything else. <laughs> right. Um, TV, IG-88, and Bosk are confirmed for The Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, Bosk, the confirmation, I don't think, has come from John Favreau's mouth, uh, but IG-88 has. So we're going to get to see a couple of those bounty hunters come in, so that's really cool. It is. They're classics. Some old classics. Nick Nolte is confirmed to be playing an Ugnaught. Right. Uh, which is those kind of pig-like creatures on Bespin. Yeah. Uh, they're short, and they're cranky, and they've been used uh, in Rebels and throughout Star Wars. So Not to be confused with the pig-like creatures in Jabba's Palace on Tatooine. No, they're not the Gamorreans. They're the ones that are even shorter than that, and they kind of pinkish skin. Right. Um, so... That's what he'll play. I think it's kind of fitting. I guess. Uh, and I like that it's an alien that exists already in the Star Wars universe, but one that we don't know a whole lot about. It's something that's been... It bothers me a lot when they introduce new aliens and not expand on the ones that currently exist. Yeah. Not because I'm against them introducing new ones. It's just there are so many that we know nothing about. We right. don't know like anything in canon about their species or their planet. And it's just, in my opinion, uh, that's laziness and there's not many of them there's not many animals like that. there's not many uh aliens like that but there's some that they could use and i think an ugnaught's a perfect example of, a, of someone that was great great use of of an existing species it could also be gratifying like when they unveil a character like maz kanata it may not be the best example because she's very specific but like they created a new alien for maz mm. kanata um who we don't know a lot about that's kind of like in a yoda sort of way well, maz kanata is intended to be very yoda reminiscent of course but like you know if we had if we had known going in that Lupita Nyong'o is going to play an alien, in mm. a Yoda-esque alien in this in this movie, and we 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 and they they had mentioned Maz Kanata, we're going to go see Maz, and we get there, and it's a thing we recognize, but with a different look and with Lupita's voice, that would have been just as gratifying. Yes, it absolutely would have been. It doesn't exactly work because she's supposed to be like as old as the hills. And it, it, yeah, I think it's fine. If with... she had been Yoda's species, that would have been cool as fuck. I am glad it wasn't. I would have been against that. I don't know. Hardcore. I don't know. We gotta we gotta learn more about Yoda species. No, we don't. Point. Yes, we do. No, we don't. That is uh, that is, in my opinion, one of the few things we don't need to know a whole lot about. We can find out a little bit more yeah. just to show us that there's a reason for all the mystery. That's what I want. I, I'm not saying we need to have an origin story about Yoda, but they got to explain why this little frog guy is all on his own. Okay, that's fair. I mean, he's not the only one. There's Yaddle as well. Right. But I, it would be it would be good to hear that they come from the Odor, Odor Rim or something, just yeah. to provide context. The Yoda Rim. Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah. Nice. The Yoda Rim. <laughs> that's what we'll name the episode instead. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, the composer, uh, Ludwig Göransson, I hope I pronounced that correctly, uh, but he composed Fruitville Station, Creed, Creed Two, Black Panther, wow. and Venom. So clearly he likes Michael B. Jordan's work. That's right. Uh, and that maybe maybe he'll be in Star Wars. That'd be cool. That's a great actor. Yeah. Uh, but so he'll be composing The Mandalorian, uh, which means somebody of some pretty high status in current uh, blockbuster movies is doing something on television. So it just goes to show that they're really putting everything into this show to make it the most film-like yeah. television series in history. Cinematic. I wonder how Cinematic, that's gonna, yeah. I wonder how that's going to work with the CGI of characters. Now, Star Wars has the luxury of being famous most for its practical effects, mm. and people want to see that in the costumes and, and the makeup as much as they want to see it anywhere else. And in fact, they're almost kind of absconded for their overuse of CGI among characters, whether Definitely. it's in, in the droids or the aliens or the, the clone troopers or whatever. Sometimes it's done really well and it, sometimes it's essential. But in this series, which is, as you said, a TV show, granted a Lucasfilm Netflix series, mm. are they going to spend a lot of money CGIing, say, Nick Nolte's character? Or are, because I mean, they have the money for it, but it's just weird because you don't see that on a TV show. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, but they have to make it look like Star Wars and feel like Star Wars. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what, like how practical, like what level of practical effects versus uh, animation or in some form of computer generated imagery. I mean, that's because really, like Star Trek, man, that's a really good question. That was I'm, makeup and costumes, and I mean, like, there's only three walls in Star Trek. It doesn't look that good. I think it has to be. Yeah, I think it has to be practical effects. Yeah, which is great. That's what yeah. I want. I mean, it's not fair to compare it to Star Trek because it's literally 50 years later. No, oh, absolutely. But I mean, you look at what some other shows have done in more recent years, and I think the the rebound, the reboot of Star Trek that they did, and then there's like Battlestar Galactica, and there's enough to show that they can do the space at a reasonable enough budget. And I think if they're doing practical effects, that'll probably allow for some other pretty intense things. You're right. Yeah. But. That's all the content we have this That's week. Just about it. Yeah. Okay. Any uh, birthdays? No, no birthdays. No. Uh, so I'll, I'll get back to that in a couple of weeks. But Happy New Year, everybody. Back with uh, season six of Recorder 66. Yeah. Goodness gracious. And we're going to get the namesake of our podcast uh, surfacing in this in this season as well. Soon, yes. That's kind of exciting. That's cool. What should we call that episode? We'll get to it later. <laughs> One thing at a time. Uh, in the meantime, if you have any thoughts on this week's podcast, you can tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with yet another episode. And if you want to be caught up to uh, the point uh, which we're, we're caught up, I'm having a hard time because I'm still in Christmas mode. I'm having a hard time with my words. If you want to be caught up to us uh, in terms of uh, what we've seen, watch the first 40 minutes of Revenge of the Sith. I think you'll have an easier time than you have with the other two prequels. Uh, and until we're together again, may the Force be with you. Be with you.